0: Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come join us as we walk through God's Word together. Good morning, Solid Word friends and family. Uh, As always, I am honored and blessed to share God's Word with you on this morning. and would ask that um, even as we move through this sermon this morning, this time together, that you would continue to lift up and to pray for uh, Pastor Costin and for all of those who uh, find themselves sick and shut in during this holiday season. Um, before just getting into uh, the sermon, uh, I do want to open up with just a word of prayer uh, and even some personal reflection Um Anytime I get ready to preach, there is a heaviness that comes upon me. And it's not just related to um, the the performative act of preaching, right? Sometimes people may say, oh, you're getting nervous because uh, you're up to preach. But there is a heaviness that comes upon me um, that is embedded in um, dealing with what God's word is saying uh, and then letting that wash over um, my own life. And um, and I find oftentimes. Right. And I think this is how you know that the spirit is working in what is being shared and what is being taught, that um, it brings me low right? Uh, as I uh, meditate and study and read and think about what the spirit is revealing to me and what God's word is saying to me. And I find myself often right, being on the receiving end of whatever the message is that's being preached uh, at any given time, whatever the lesson is that's being taught at any given time. Uh, and it's no different, even at this time of Christmas and at the time where um, those of us who are professed of belief in Jesus Christ, celebrate his birth, I find right, that uh, despite my best efforts to, uh, despite um, always uh, being quick to acknowledge that Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, that it is so easy to fall into and to slip into um, the casualness of the season, to fall into the worldliness of the season, to um, and to take lightly what it is that we are celebrating Um Not just on uh, Christmas Day, so to speak, but just during this whole time as our minds turn uh, specifically, intentionally towards the birth of Christ. Um, It's in that spirit, right, that uh, I'd like for us to just take a few moments uh, to go before God's throne and um, just to bow um, in a word of prayer, asking him to enter Seed and intervene even in this moment that we have together. Uh, Join me if you would, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would um, clear our hearts and our minds as we come before you. God, I acknowledge uh, that um, I am guilty of taking lightly what this time of year means. As I said, despite my best efforts, despite knowing that your son is the reason for this season, so to speak, despite understanding uh, that um, a great thing happened in the city of David thousands of years ago. If I'm not careful, I'll get caught up in the generic sense of what this holiday is because it feels good, it feels warm, it feels nice to move through and just kind of go with the flow of peace and joy and happiness that is devoid from Christ, that is detached from Christ. So God, I ask for your forgiveness for those moments and times when I have not made your son the focus. I pray God that even in this moment, those who are listening, those who may be watching, that you would clear from their minds anything that would be a distraction, that you would give them singular focus upon you, upon your word, upon your son. in this moment. I pray, God, that you would remove all of me, that only your voice, only your words would push through, would break through would resonate, would even be remembered, God. It is by the truth of your word, by the power of your spirit that we desire transformation. Renew our minds, God, that we may think differently, that we may believe differently, that we may act differently. And God, as I always say, do with your word what only you can do, and that is to make sure that it does not return to you void but that it accomplishes all that you sent it forth to accomplish, God. I don't need your help to preach this. I need you to preach this message, God. So I pray that it would be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Um, solid Word, friends and family, I, I wish you a good morning on this morning after Christmas, and uh, I'm always, always, always honored and blessed to share God's word with God's people on this morning. Uh, and in that same spirit of being kind of the body and the community, I would ask that you would continue to pray for Pastor Costin, that you would continue to pray for others within the body who find themselves sick and shut in during these holiday seasons. And just praying that God's hand would be upon them, that he would bring healing to them and that they would uh, be able to stand on the other side of their sickness. I also pray that you had a blessed and enjoyable Christmas on yesterday. To whatever extent you were able to gather with and to enjoy friends and family and loved ones, I pray that that time nourished yourself, that it refilled you, that it refueled you, that it rejuvenated you as well after uh, what has been a tough year, a tough two years, actually, if you think about it. Nevertheless, even in, in keeping and thinking about that, we know that the holidays can be a tough time for those of us who have experienced the loss of loved ones. Um, because of the time, because the traditions, because the events uh, associated with these holidays just don't feel the same without those loved ones being present. And it can be a recent loss or it can be a loss from many, many years. Uh, we recognize and we are praying for those of us within the family who are struggling and have a hard time during these times uh, to feel that love, to feel that joy, to feel um, the warmth that these holidays are intended to bring about. And you add on top of that, the seeming resurgence now of uh, COVID-related illnesses and sicknesses uh, and the weight of the moment the weight of this moment in time, um, at best, seems uncertain; at worst, feels unbearable. Some of us, right, like our homes that are decorated, and like the presents that were decorated underneath the tree, uh, we present an outward appearance of all-togetherness, of of beauty, of of um, perfection, even in some cases. We look good on the outside but it doesn't always reflect what may be happening on the inside. To push it even further, right? There, there is even so much buildup that leads up to Christmas morning. All of the decorations, all of the shopping, all the preparations that goes into that, all for that moment, that morning, where you get to open up the presents. And then once that's done, Once the last ribbon has been cut, the last bow has been removed, the last wad of uh, wrapping paper has been thrown into the trash bag, there's kind of a letdown, kind of a now what moment. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I know that uh, within our homes and within our families, there's a lot of traditions that happen after Christmas. Some people go to the movies. Some people go to breakfast, do a big breakfast in their homes. They get on Zoom and Skype and call family and friends. Uh, But I'm not talking about kind of the activities that we do. But I'm talking about the internal. The inside the emotional kind of up and down ebb and flow, the, the high of the Christmas morning, and then kind of the crash once everything is done. Hmm. It's almost as if, if you were to use kind of a heavenly imagination, like we have arrived with the shepherds at the manger, excited to see the baby Jesus. And then <clears throat> after about a minute or two, we're looking around because the thrill is gone. We came, we saw the baby Jesus, and and, and all of a sudden, the the warmth and the the excitement and the joy that was there in that moment now kind of dissipates. The thrill is gone, so to speak. And it's replaced by the reality of the world rushing in, the reality of our lives rushing in, the reality of our current conditions rushing back in as our minds begin to turn back to those things that we're dealing with, those things that we're concerned about, those things that maybe were broken before Christmas, but everybody decided to just kind of act like everything was okay because it's Christmas. But now the presents have been opened, the songs have been sung, and we're back to facing the reality of our lives. And it is with this in mind, against this backdrop, within this context that I believe it is important for us, it is vitally important for us as believers in Christ to understand and to uh, internalize, to grab hold of with both hands, that the birth of Christ is not an end unto itself, it is not a moment in time that we acknowledge and then just move on from. And at the other extreme, it isn't just about what happens uh, after we die at the end of our lives. right? Namely, we, we have to move past those kinds of extremes when we think about the birth of Christ and get to a place where we understand that his birth has ongoing implications for our day-to-day lives. Specifically, namely, his birth makes available a peace, a peace that can change everything. And to that end and to that point, I want to talk about the peace that Christ brought at his birth. The aim for the sermon this morning is that as we move through this Christmas season, we as Christians would not lose sight of the peace that is available to us because of the birth of Christ. And from a sermon uh, text perspective, we're gonna be looking at two different passages in the New Testament and not necessarily or typically considered Christmas passages. But uh, as we move through these, I think you'll see that they are just as pertinent at this time as they are at any other time. The first passage that we'll look at it will be Romans 5 and 1, Romans chapter five and one, and then put your finger there and then flip over back up to John 14 and 27. So Romans chapter five, verse one, John chapter 14, verse 27. And these are familiar verses, even if you may not um, recognize the actual chapter verse, when you see the words, they will be familiar to you. And Romans five and one, you'll find these words. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Now, before we get too far, I think we need to first talk about what exactly peace is, because it's a word that is thrown around a lot and it's used in a lot of different contexts. And it's not unique to a religious or a Christian perspective, right? Everybody talks about peace. So the question is, what is peace? When you think about peace, what comes to your mind when I say peace? What images are generated in your mind's eye? Some of you may be picturing right, a a painting and an image that was popular not too long ago, a couple of years ago. It was a painting of a storm. And there was uh, lightning uh, in the distance. Then in the forefront of the painting was a rocky cliff. Uh, and, and this rocky cliff had water rushing over uh, the, the surface of it, and it was crashing against the rocks. Uh, but if you looked closer at the picture, uh, kind of off into the side or to the corner of the painting, uh, in, in the cleft of this rock face um, was a bird in a nest, and that bird was asleep. Hmm. When I say peace, some of you may not picture that, but you may picture kind of an open field with a light breeze that's blowing through and and displacing the grass, the blades of grass and the sun just setting on the horizon. Or some of you may even be picturing a calm stream, a a bubbling brook uh, that's flowing through a serene valley of green pastures with uh, deer uh, kind of grazing along the side of it. Hmm. And the problem is, is that in all of those kinds of situations and and, uh, scenarios and maybe those images that we kind of create in our minds that we typically not all the time, but we typically define peace as an absence of problems. If I'm healthy, if my family's healthy, if I haven't experienced any loss of life, if my finances are in good standing, if I'm gainfully employed, if my spouse is acting right, if my children are acting right, then guess what? We're at peace. And when it comes to the pursuit of peace, the world Uh, has a lot of prescriptions, a lot of how to gain peace kind of advice and suggestions. Just think about it for a moment. One of the things that we hear a lot about now is, and we'll start seeing a lot more of it once the new year's comes around, is is this talk about positive and negative energy, right? Folks, in in 2022, everybody is going to be pushing out the negativity, getting all the negative folks out of their lives. They And they'll be talking about how they need to remove themselves from that negative energy, remove themselves from these negative folks because it is throwing them out of balance. It is messing with their peace. It's always interesting to me that everybody is always talking about getting negative people out of their lives, uh, which presupposes that you are positive in other people's lives. And the funny thing about it, right is, is that the truth of the matter is is that we're all bringing some positivity or negativity to each other's lives. To push it even further, some even suggest that uh, to get this peace, to create um, uh, this peace in your life, you need some type of medication. And it creates an artificial sense of peace, right? Um, Because it kind of numbs you and dulls you to what's happening around you. Others say to get peace, you need to exercise or or you need to volunteer. You need to extend yourself outside of yourself, help others that may be in need that are less fortunate than you. And look, I'm not saying that those aren't admirable things. You should exercise. You should look for opportunities to help others uh, who are less fortunate. But the problem is, remember, what we're talking about here is about peace. The problem with these kind of worldly prescriptions and and all other kind of ideas on how to kind of make and manufacture peace is, is that the peace that they offer and oftentimes the peace that they generate is temporary at best. And at their root, at the root of these manufactured pieces, so to speak, are these pieces that this piece that's manufactured at the root of it is not real peace, but instead it is a temporary escape from, a, a removal from, and even a denial of the problems that exist in our lives. But Christians, right? We can't fall into this trap. Those who believe in Jesus Christ cannot fall into the trap of thinking about peace the same way that the world does. And unfortunately, we have adopted this way of thinking. We feel like we believe that the only way that we can have peace is to have an absence of problems in our lives. But from a biblical perspective, from a Christ-centered perspective, from a believer's perspective, the only peace that we pursue and actually the only peace that we should actually acknowledge is a biblical peace that is unrelated to the circumstances, the situations, the scenarios of the season that we may find ourselves in. It's a peace that is not defined by the absence of problems. Hear me now. It is not defined by us not having any valley experiences, only operating and living on the mountaintops. I think it's important for me to say that because sometimes and look, we all fall into it. I'm not coming down on anyone hard, but because it's natural tendency that we want to know how to avoid problems. We want to know how to to live on the mountaintop. We don't want to experience the valley. No one wants to be in the shadow of the valley of death, right? Um, Even though we've got promises from God's word about how he'll be present in those moments, we don't want to experience those moments. And so typically what our uh, our uh, interactions with God and, and our searching of his word? What we're looking for is answers. We're looking for remedies. We're looking for solutions. We're looking for prescriptions to avoid problems. And it's for that very reason that this sermon that I'm sharing with you this morning, uh, we will not be talking about how to solve your problems. I'm not about to give you a three point list about how to live your best life now. I'm not about to tell you what seven steps you need to take to operate uh, above the fray, so to speak, and to live a problem-free life. As a matter of fact, I don't even think that that's biblical. (laughs) Jesus himself said that in this world, we will have tribulation. We will have problems. So anyone who is who is talking about, who is prescribing a means and a method to not have problems is suggesting that Jesus didn't know what he was talking about when he said that in this world you will have tribulations. Hmm. But what we will talk about is a biblical peace, a biblical peace that is made available through the birth of Christ. A biblical peace that maintains even after the last present has been opened. A biblical peace that persists and is consistent and endures even after you've taken down the last Christmas decoration. A biblical peace that maintains and holds you steady even as family departs and heads back to their own homes. A biblical peace that will be able to endure. And this birth, uh, this peace that comes at Christ's birth is actually expressed in two aspects. Hmm. The first aspect of the peace that Christ brought at his birth is articulated by Paul in the first verse that we looked at, Romans 5 and 1. Again, it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I know what you may be thinking and what you may be saying to yourself. You may be saying, Elder right? Uh, I've been in Sunday school all my life. I, I, I've been going to Bible study. I've been a member, a good a member in good standing with the body of believers uh, and, and been, uh, know all of the stories. I know this story, right? I, I, I know the gospel. I, I, I know the, the, the message of Christ, but sometimes. Just bear with me. Sometimes I think when we think about it, when we think about the gospel, when we think about the message, we tend to minimize the distance that was between us and God that existed. We we sometimes like to think about it as, yes, I know that there is a holy God and, and there's a sinful man. But then we begin to kind of rationalize and rethink just how sinful we were. Well, I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't done these certain things. And so next thing you know, before too long, what was a huge gap that was insurmountable ends up being not that big of a gap after all. In our own minds, that is. And I think it's because of that is why we fall into these places where when we think about God's grace, it's not that amazing to us. When we think about the sacrifice that Christ made, it doesn't quite move us as much because we don't really think we were that bad off. We were basically good people. And what Christ did is just kind of dusted us off on the edges and kind of sharpened us up a little bit, picked us up and, and kind of patted us on our back and said, hey, kind of keep going. You got it now. You can do it. Right. But I I want to highlight a few points out of Romans 5 and 1 uh, to, to really try to drive home a little bit more this distance that was between us and God, because I believe that gives us the proper context to understand one of the aspects of the peace that Christ brought at his birth. See, Romans 5 and 10, about nine verses later after Romans 5 and 1, lets us know something. It lets us know that before we had been saved, before being saved by Christ, we were enemies of God. Now, we we didn't know him and and we didn't acknowledge him. Right. It's not just about we were ignoring him or we just weren't following his precepts. But we were flat out enemies of God. In other words, we hated him. Now, I know that's hard sometimes for us to wrap our minds around because no one may have been sitting there thinking, I hate God, but we were hostile towards him. We were hostile uh, uh, towards him. We opposed him in our thoughts and in our actions and in our hearts and in our minds. We decided that we wanted to do what we wanted to do, not what he instructed us to do and commanded us to do. We believed that we knew better than God. We lived our lives according to our own rules, how we wanted to. We determined what was right and wrong for ourselves. Hmm. And we were either doing this by omission or by commission, meaning that we either actively were trying to be disobedient. We knew what he said and just and decided not to do it. or We didn't really know what it was, but we weren't trying to find out either. We were just living our lives. We were enemies of God. He said, go right. We said we would go left. And we were at war with him, headed for a sinner's hell. Now I know this is heavy for a Christmas message, but this is the situation that Christ came into the world to remedy. And we were powerless, powerless to change our own predicament. Now the, 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 the circumstances, and we needed somebody, right? We we were powerless to change our predicament. And the circumstances were such that we needed someone to, to broker a peace deal. We needed someone to step in as a mediator. We needed someone who had enough credibility with God to stand in the gap, this gap between us and this holy God, right? On our behalf. You see, only God, the son has enough credibility with God, the father to stand in the gap for sinful man. (laughs) Only Jesus can broker a peace deal that brings folks like you and like me who at one time hated God, who were hostile towards God. Again, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our hearts and in our minds, we were working against God's plan. We were resisting him. We rejected him. We were doing our own thing. Only Jesus Christ could stand in that gap and mediate a peace between those two parties. Now, uh, he has brought us into a peaceful relationship with that same holy God that we were enemies with. That's why in Ephesians 6 and 15, Paul calls this gospel, the message of Christ coming into the world, the gospel of peace. <laughs> it's not some general sense of no war on the earth between men, but it is the peace that Christ now has brokered between God and man. And something else is important to to realize here. This this peace that that Christ has brokered between a holy God and sinful man, it's not just blanket applied. You have to opt into the peace deal, so to speak. It exists for you to take advantage of. But if you haven't raised your hand and said, I want to be covered by the peace deal that Christ brokered, then it does not apply to you. And so Christ has come to stand in the gap, to broker this peace deal between a holy God and sinful man, but we have to say, we need coverage under that peace deal. So the question becomes, have you accepted the peace deal that Christ brokered on your behalf? Hmm. So we have spent some time now, right? Talking about the peace with God. That Christ's birth brings to us. Obviously, that is important. It is the starting place for everything else that we talk about as it pertains to our lives in Christ. And it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of external, of eternal salvation versus eternal separation from God but also right because without this peace with god without this first step of saying yes i'm going to be covered by the peace treaty so to speak that christ has brokered with god the father then i actually don't have access now to the second aspect of the peace that christ brings at his birth and that is the peace of god uh-huh. let's look now at john 14 uh, Verse 27, sorry. And he says, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Uh, Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Hmm. This is Jesus' last night. This is familiar with his disciples. He knows, right, that uh, his hour has come. And he is expressing to them his heart he his, he's expressing to them their uh, his, he's expressing to them his desires for them his prayers for them and in that right while he is kind of pouring out these last instructions before he goes to the cross he shares that he is leaving them with peace that he is leaving specifically his peace with them and there are some great things, some good things to pull out and to glean from this. First, this piece that Christ is leaving, hear me now when I tell you this, is supernatural. Hmm. Don't get, don't get uncomfortable. Uh, you, you know, you start thinking about supernatural things and, and get scary, but I'm talking about this piece being something over and above that earlier kind of natural piece that we talked about that the world tries to prescribe, that we try to generate in and of ourselves through all sorts of means and methods. But this peace is supernatural. Jesus says that he is leaving his peace, not some generic peace, but his peace. And at first glance, that might not seem like a big deal, but this peace, right, this peace that Jesus is leaving us is the same peace, hear this now, that sustained him when his family didn't believe in him. This is the same peace that kept him when his neighbors rejected him. It's the same peace that um, kept him when he was betrayed by someone who was close to him. When the religious leaders attacked him and accused him and arrested him, this peace kept him. It's the same peace that kept him when people turned on him. It's the same peace that held him when the soldiers beat him. It's the same peace that kept him when his friends deserted him. It's the same peace that maintained him when the crowds spit on him, many of whom he had healed, many of whom he had set free, who he had fed, who he had preached to. It is this peace that kept him. It's the same peace that he had when he was being nailed to the cross. First his right hand, his left hand, then his feet. When he was hoisted up, put on display and mocked by the crowds, this peace kept him. It's the same peace that kept him. Christ from getting off of that cross, that same peace that kept him from raining down fire from heaven on those that were there mocking and spitting and accusing him. It's the same peace that kept him from releasing a legion of angels upon those who dared oppose him. It is the same peace that is made available to you and to me through faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm. It is a supernatural peace. And if it was good enough for Jesus, (laughs) it's good enough for us. Secondly, 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 Jesus gives us this peace. He says, not as the world gives. In other words, Jesus is saying this peace that I'm giving to you. This peace that is supernatural, this peace that maintained and has kept me and is going to keep me as I go to the cross. This peace that I'm giving to you, I give it to you not as the world gives. (laughs) It isn't like the peace that the world gives you. It it, it isn't dependent upon circumstances. This peace isn't defined by your feelings or your predicaments. It isn't temporary. Uh, It transcends the natural. Paul got it when uh, he says in Philippians four and seven that this peace of God it surpasses all comprehension. Meaning that when people look at your circumstances and then they look at the peace that you have in the midst of your circumstances, it won't make sense to them. But it also means this, even me in the midst of my circumstances, when I look at the peace that I have in the midst of the storms that are going on around me, it will even boggle my own mind. So it not only surpasses the comprehension of those on the outside looking in, but it surpasses the comprehension of me on the inside looking out because I know (laughs) that I should be losing my mind right now, given all that's swirling around me. (sighs) Lastly, Jesus says that since he's the one who's giving you this supernatural peace, this is the same peace that sustained him for those past 33 years. You think about him walking around on earth with us for 33 years. This peace had to maintain and keep him. Since this peace isn't held hostage by what is happening in the world, it's not held hostage by what's happening in your life, right? In light of all of that, These disciples, he tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. That lets me know something. That lets me know something. That lets me know something. That lets me know, know, right, that Christ's peace can keep me. And it's not failing. It's not incomplete. It didn't somehow take. It didn't somehow hold if my heart is experiencing fear because Christ says for us to not let our hearts be afraid. If I choose to let that fear come in, then it's not because Christ's peace wasn't supernatural, but it's because I'm focusing on something other than him in my situation. (laughs) But Christ tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. But how do we do that? You might ask. And I'll tell you how we do that. We've talked about this before, is that when life's circumstances are leaning on you, When they're leaning into you, when sickness, when financial issues, when work issues, when family issues, whatever the case may be, is leaning the pressures of life are leaning in on you. We lean into Christ. When we're tempted to focus on our circumstances, we go to him. Either in prayer, either in his word, through song and praise, through the assembling together with other believers. But we don't focus our attention on the situations that we find ourselves in. We focus our attention on the one who brought us his perfect supernatural peace. In conclusion, it's interesting, right, to note that the peace that Christ brought at his birth, is actually defined by both his birth and his death. Hmm. Think about that. His birth marks the beginning of the end, of the enmity, of the gap, of the strife, of the hostility between sinful man and a holy, righteous God of all creation. It is the first stroke of the peace agreement brokered by God himself (laughs) to take those who were enemies and bring them into a right relationship with him. But then at the other end, his death, right, marks the beginning of a new era, one in which the Holy Spirit of God can now dwell within those who once were enemies with him. And this Holy Spirit, what he does now is he imparts to them, to those who have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit now gives them the very peace that sustained Christ while he was on this earth. Family, whether it is the weight of a life that is devoid of Christ, or it is the weight of the pressures of life in general, the peace that Christ brought at his birth is available to you. If you would just look to him, if you would just lean into him, and accept this gift that has been freely given to you. Silent word, I pray that this word has encouraged you to not fall into the trap of believing that because the presents have all been opened, that because the tree is now being taken down, that because the eggnog and whatever else is all gone, that somehow now Christmas is over. I encourage you lean into Christ, take advantage of the peace that his birth has brought. First a vertical peace with God, and then a lasting peace internal to us that can keep us even in these uncertain and seemingly unbearable times. My prayer, my hope family, is that you would see the Christ of Christmas, not just on the 25th of December, but every day that he grants you life. Amen. You've been listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church, located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.